630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum in Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. With the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. They are just minutes away from dropping the puck in Nashville. Game 7. Predators and Jets. The winner meets Vegas in the Western Conference Final. We will keep you updated at 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chet, our weekly guest from the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic, Reed. I just got back. I uh, went home for two nights. I was able to see uh, my family, my grandson, the whole bit. But now I flew back and extremely excited like everybody across our country for game seven tonight well as long as everybody back home remembered you your stuff wasn't out on the lawn or had been sold on Kijiji everything was good <laughs> everything's good and then you know I just kind of tried to figure out with my wife when she can come out here to Toronto to spend some time because I think my time will be kind of limited here we only have the third round left here in the studio and then we'll be going out on the road for the fourth round of which she's going to be joining me for the first four games there as well so i'm gonna yeah we're trying to just coordinate life how's that sound well good stuff good stuff and uh tonight uh, they're about to get going here predators and jets it's been a pretty interesting series kelly because obviously i mean look the two top teams in the league close in the standings uh, but not, I mean, not every game in this series has been close. There's been some uh, blowouts, might be a slight exaggeration, but certainly a few games where one team has been in definite control. Uh, there's no question about it. And uh, it's funny because the four of us were having that same sort of conversation off air that it's just a bit of a strange series in that. And, and also about how we're going into a certain game, maybe say game five or something, and we're like, oh, no, uh, Winnipeg doesn't have a chance. And, and then they go and they blow them out. And uh, Pekka remains pulled, and then you go, okay, well, in game six. I mean, Winnipeg, they can lock them down here, and that'll be it. And, and then Rene gives a sh- uh, pictures a shutout. And so this is a, a series of weird momentum changes, and I expect a lot of the same again today. You, you used a word I want to ask you about, momentum. We've, I, 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 this is, you know, and look, I, I'm a spectator and I, and I talk to current and former athletes about this. And, and I've always found that there's certainly in game momentum. I mean, I look at the Oilers playoffs last year, they lost a game 7 nothing, won the series. Uh, the next round, they yep. won a game 7 1, lost the series. So I, I, I think there's in game momentum. But I, I, I don't know if anything carries through from one game to the next when you have two teams that are really going at a high level. No, there really isn't a lot of carryover. And, and I think that players are really, really good, especially at this level, of kind of pushing the reset button or the erase button, whatever you want to call it, and moving forward and not letting what happened in the previous game 
really affect your mindset moving forward. You know, I would agree with you, though, in-game momentum, it's maybe a little bit more subtle, but it's there, and because it's in elimination games, it's I find it more noticeable because when something really happens uh, one way or the other, good or bad, uh, it can affect you and because you know the consequences. And maybe not so much early in a first period or something, but as the game is going on, maybe at some point with four minutes left in the second period, something happens or early in the third, and you're just wondering how will that person or the team react. And I think that those are the little subtle things that you look for in elimination games. I know even like my mind still has many vivid memories about momentum changes in a particular game that ended up costing us. And it, at the moment, I'm not sure if you really know how it's going to impact the game or the series, but when you look back upon it, it really does. Oh, do you have an example? I got to ask. <laughs> well, for sure. I, there was a, uh, a game versus the Edmonton Oilers, I'm going to say 91, 92. Uh, the series was tied with about 2 2 with about three, four minutes to go. Third period, the Oilers were pressing in our own zone. The puck went back to the point. And I can't rec- remember the defense and right-handed shooting defense when he shot a puck and it hit our winger's stick in front and deflected in. It seemed like a goal that rarely goes in. We see it all the time now with all the deflections, but back then it wasn't. And it, it just seemed like it really deflated us. And then we went to Edmonton. We couldn't recover. We just that that goal at that moment seemed to really. Uh, put the damper on our spirits. And then a positive one was Game 7, Kings versus Toronto Maple Leafs, 93, here at Maple Leaf Gardens. Scores 3-3 in the third period, and Peter Zezel of Toronto had this unbelievable chance right in front of me uh, with about seven or eight minutes to go. I made a glove save. It wasn't the best glove save I've ever made, but maybe the most important. And uh, we ended up scoring two late goals in in that third period, and, and uh, eliminating Toronto. So, I mean, those sorts of things, and then you've talked to any players, they're going to have millions of uh, stories about those sorts of things that sometimes they work in your favor and sometimes they don't, but the ones that don't certainly hurt you a lot more. Well, and in Game 7s, I mean, you mentioned little moments. I mean, look, the score in a Game 7, Kelly's often 2-1 or 3-1 or 3-2, yeah. right? Or sometimes, yeah. like, that was rare a couple weeks ago when Boston and Toronto scored all those goals in a Game 7. So the first goal... Tonight, especially if it if it isn't scored until the second or early third period, you, you know the team that gives it up is going to be like, uh oh, is that it? Is that the only goal tonight? Right? Yeah, but I, I think with these two teams, they do recognize how powerful uh, they are offensively. So I don't know if one goal would be the one where it's going to be. Oh, I don't know if we have enough in the tank, but uh, certainly what Nashville did to Winnipeg in Game Six in Winnipeg is an example of how high-powered their offense is uh, national. They were, they were pushing really hard for that second goal. They knew that if they could go up 2-0, uh, then they went right into lockdown mode, and Winnipeg had nothing, and they became frustrated. So I expect that if there anybody gets a two-goal lead, that might be the one that is insurmountable. 
Kelly Brody joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers Game 7, Jets and Predators tonight. Kelly, I, I was, I've been watching the World Championships uh, on and off. I mean, the, the great thing is you, you get up in the morning and there's a game on or, or whatever, so that's been yeah. fun. Um, something happened. And it's been interesting for Keith Kincaid, the American goaltender, uh, plays for New Jersey. First of all, he got a tripping penalty today. And a couple of games ago, a strap on his mask broke, and it looked like he sensed it was loose, and and he shook his head, so the mask came off, so the ref had to blow the whistle, and the ref gave him a delay of game penalty. And obviously, he and the American team wasn't happy about it. Goalies don't take a lot of penalties. Uh, I mean, you usually wind up... No. I mean, well, you fought sometimes, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And flounced a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Punched a lot. (laughs) But do you remember, was there like a really unusual equipment issue or penalty that you ever got in your career? Well, I'm going to change it just a little bit. Well, first of all, I want to comment on the officiating. And sometimes in uh, those world championships and that, it's it's very hard for players that are used to North American South because the calls are, are really random. And, and one thing that uh, all players and coaches want is consistency so you know what kind of call uh, might be made. And it's my personal experience in international hockey that that consistency isn't always there so sometimes you have to bite your tongue and just accept uh, what you think is a bad call but I'm not going to go down the road about a bad penalty I took but you know what back uh, when I played especially in the 80s you could really embellish now in today's NHL if I were a goaltender I would have been called every single time for how embarrassing it was, how I embellished. And you can still find some of those uh, videos, read on. If you go to YouTube and you you Google my name and maybe embellish or something, I know there's ones versus Washington. Lou Franceschetti, uh, the rugged winger. Uh, it was a different time where guys really pulled over the goalies. But as goalies, we, we had to find a way to kind of get even because we were stationary objects. These are big men at full speed so what we would do is like it was awful how we would embellish and try and get a call and oftentimes you would and it was funny when you sent me that text i'm thinking well i recall so many times getting knocked over being completely fine but sort of wiggling around on the ice like i i'm in some sort of medical distress the trainer comes over and i'm like i keep my ice or my head facing the ice and he says are you hurt or is this just embellishing? And you go, no, no, I'm perfect, but just stay here for a minute. We'll pretend I'm uh, a little bit banged up here and then I'll sort of get up slowly and adjust my mask and all this kind of stuff. But And you'd get away with it. Uh, in today's game, you don't. I, and like I said, I am embarrassed when I look back at some of those videos because it is so blatant and the acting I did was obviously very, very poor. Well, it's good you wound up in Hollywood, though, for at least a portion of your career. That was that was fitting. <laughs> well, maybe yeah, but yeah, you, I don't think you saw me on General Hospital. That was very good either. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) Kelly, thanks for doing this. I'll let you get back watching Game 7. Should be a good one, and uh, we'll catch up again next week, buddy. Appreciate your time. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Right on. There is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight, and four minutes into the first period, no score. Winnipeg, Nashville, the Predators are on a power play. Andrew Kopp got a high-sticking penalty. One minute left in that man advantage for the Preds. Good to have Kelly on the show. How about that? Admitted diver Kelly Rudy talking about doing some 
excessive flopping when he played in the 1980s trying to drop penalties or uh, just buy his team some time. That was an interesting story there from Kelly. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We have a lot to get to tonight. We'll preview the Eastern Conference Final that starts tomorrow between the Capitals and the Lightning. Got to favor the Lightning in that one, don't you? And also Darnell Nurse will check in between 630 and 7. Helped Canada beat Norway today 5-0 at the Worlds in Denmark. Of course, Connor McDavid had a hat trick. We're coming right back. Listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Great beauty. The Steve Smith hits the red line, puts it in. More changes for the Oilers. Mattaz runs McKinnis into the glass. Beauty pinches up. Tikkanen circles at center. Three points in the game. A couple of goals for Asatikkanen. Six in the series. Shoot scores! Asatikkanen has won it for the Oilers! Tonight is the 171st Game 7 in NHL history. There's one from 1991 that went to overtime. Essa Tikkanen scoring to lift the Oilers past the Calgary Flames. Tikkanen with a hat trick in that game. So there have been 40 Game 7s that have gone to overtime out of the 170. The home team has won exactly 100 times, 70 victories for the road team. That is a 58.8 win percentage for the home team in Game 7s. Nashville, 1-1 all-time in Game 7s. The Jets, this incarnation of the Jets, have never played in a Game 7. Teams representing the city of Winnipeg, in seventh games. In 1990, the Jets lost 4-1 to the Oilers. In 1992, they lost 5-0 to the Vancouver Canucks. The most lopsided Game 7 ever, Kellen Kennedy. Can you guess what it was? Man. You I probably will no remember idea. this one once I say it. Okay. But Go for it. It might be hard for you to pick, off, uh, pick up. Mm. Uh, 2002. Okay. Detroit, Colorado. Remember the score? Oh, okay. 7-zip. 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 2002 Conference Final. Detroit 7, Colorado nothing. Yeah. Most lopsided Game 7 ever. Highest scoring Game 7 ever. 1968 quarterfinal. I don't remember that one. <laughs> you, you, you were not born for that one. <laughs> Minnesota North Stars 9, Los Angeles Kings 4. 13 total goals. Wow. Uh, in 1992, the Rangers beat the Devils 8-4 in Game 7 in the first round. I was looking at all the games, that, and like I was saying with Kelly, a lot of 2-1s, 3-1s, 3-2s. Generally, these games aren't high scoring. Absolutely. Generally. Yep. Obviously, uh, what it was 7-4 a couple of weeks ago with Boston and Toronto. Mm-hmm. So there are your Game 7 fun facts for the evening. 40 have gone to overtime. The home team has won five of the last six. Home team had a slightly higher percentage till the last four or five years. There was a, a rash of uh, road team victories there for a while. Right. No score. Jets and Nashville, 11.52 left in the first period. You can text 6.30, 6.30. Uh, this texter says, if there is security at hockey games, how is it that someone always throws a catfish on the ice in Nashville? You know, it's funny. I, that text came in just before the commercial. So I, I quickly uh, Googled. Nashville catfish, uh, and I found a pretty in-depth story written during last year's Stanley Cup final. 
And uh, the article actually explained that people do smuggle them into the rink because security is not supposed to allow the objects to be brought in, though they will turn a blind eye to someone suspected of having a, uh, a catfish somehow concealed, perhaps. I, I, I was reading that oftentimes people will somehow tape it to their lower back <laughs> to get in. So, yeah, it's a tradition trumps security in this case. And you may remember this, Kellen, somebody, a Nashville fan threw a catfish onto the ice in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. during the Stanley Cup final last year and uh, was arrested. Kicked out of the arena and arrested, though the charges were later dropped. And we have a goal. We have a goal by the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, as it seems to always happen, Kellen, I looked away and was looking at you. Uh, is this, uh, looks like Tyler Myers got the goal. Yes, 11-17 left in the first period. The uh, net cam. Oh, that is a bad angle shot that hit Rene's pad. He didn't have it all the way against the post. And it squirted over the goal line by about four. He shot it along the goal line. Yep. And it hit Rene's pad and uh, goes in under his skate. And it's one nothing for the Winnipeg Jets. Not a great goal. But the good old put it on net, something good might happen. And it happened there for Tyler Myers. one nothing for the Jets. 5 nothing earlier today. Canada over Norway at Worlds. Darnell Nurse coming up. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, how about this? It's now 2 nothing for the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Stastny scoring two minutes and seven seconds after Tyler Myers scored. And that is it for Pecorine. He gets pulled after allowing two goals on seven shots. Winnipeg leading Nashville 2 nothing with eight minutes left in the first period. Third time this series, Rene has been pulled, all of them on home ice. So you see Soros in net for the Predators. He played 26 games this season, went 11, 5, and 7. A lot of overtime and shootout losses. 2.44 goals against average. 9.25 save percentage. Three shutouts, including, you're probably going to remember this, one against the Edmonton Oilers in mid-December. He made 46 saves. Remember, Edmonton outshot Nashville 22-4 in the first period. Couldn't score. Predators won the game 4-0. 46 saves by Soros, the most ever by an opposing goaltender in a shutout of the Edmonton Oilers. Well, now he's pretty much going to have to blank the Winnipeg Jets the rest of the way, so Nashville has a chance in this one. It is 2-0 for the Jets, seven and a half minutes left in the first period of Game 7. We'll keep you updated. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.35. We'll have live hockey in this time slot tomorrow. We will bring you every game of both conference final series Capitals and Bolts start tomorrow. We'll have a preview a little bit later on. And on Saturday, it'll be Game 1 with Vegas visiting either Winnipeg or Nashville. And, of course, right now, Winnipeg with the advantage. Seattle up 8-2 on the Toronto Blue Jays. This one is in the top of the fifth. Players' Championship underway in Florida. Webb Simpson, Dustin Johnson, Alex Noren, Chesson Hadley, Matt Kuchar, Patrick Cantley, all shooting six under par. So uh, a six-way tie for the lead after round one of the Players' Championship. World Hockey Championships earlier today. Connor McDavid, brilliant hat trick in a 5-0 Canadian victory over Norway. The Oilers are also represented by Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Darnell Nurse. Darnell, welcome back to the 630 Chet Airwaves. How are you doing? Good, how are you, Reed? 
Doing very well. Thanks a lot for making time for me. A 5 nothing win for Canada today. Let me start here, Darnell. How do you think Connor McDavid played? <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, being his usual self, doing uh, the impressive things every single night. So fun, uh, fun to watch, fun to be a part of. Yeah, it looked like uh, he was flying. Obviously, Bo Horvat, a couple of goals. Uh, look, I know Canada you know, is, is favored in a game like that, but what allowed you guys to, to apply so much pressure and get the shutout as well? Yeah, I think we were just playing quick all night. Uh, you know, whenever it was, it was trickling out to neutral zone, we were finding forwards, and you know, find, uh, the forwards are making great plays in the old zone. And you know, it's, uh, it's a good recipe whenever you're moving pucks fast and, and playing a fast game. You know, Canada goes into any national, international tournament as one of the favorites, Darnell. As, as you know, you've played for Canadian teams before. Sometimes you have opponents like today where you know you're you're heavily favored to win the game. How do you how do you focus on a game like that? What are some things you concentrate on going in when you know you kind of know you probably have an advantage uh, talent wise over so, some of these countries? How do you approach those games? Yeah, I think you know um, it, it's easy to look at it and see it that way. But every team we play against is coming out for us, and we're gonna get everyone's best effort. And I think that's uh, that's, that's got to be a focus going into each and every game. We saw today. Um, no, Latvia had a great game against the US, so. Um, there's no, uh, there, there's no getting on the, you know, you always have to be on the gas pedal. There's no, no breaking. So, uh, you know, for us, it's, uh, it's important to stick to our details and be ready for each and every game. All right, uh, you've been paired with Colton Pareko. Obviously, he's uh, an Edmonton area product who's uh, had a really good start to his career over the last two or three years here with the St. Louis Blues. Tell me a little bit about playing with Colton. What's the chemistry like? What have you seen from uh, his strengths and the things you guys do well together? Yeah, obviously, he's such a you know, he moves so well. He has a great shot, defends well. He's all over the ice. So uh, anytime you get the, the opportunity to get out there with him, um, you know, it's great. And they kind of just try to, try to stick your strength. And, you know, you know, whenever the puck goes over the other side, that's, uh, you know, he's going to make a great play. So uh, a lot of fun to play with. And you, know, you can see why he's so special. What what is this coming together period been like for the team? Obviously, there's there's not a lot of lead up time to the tournament, and all of a sudden you're sharing a dressing room with guys who, let's face it, you're trying to beat each other's brains in uh, during the regular season a lot of times. What's what's that uh, the gelling process been like? Yeah, I think the, the the special part about this tournament is you spend so much time together. I mean, as soon as you uh, as soon as you get on the plane to come over to Europe, um, you know, the last two weeks of each and every day, it's it's been, you know, 23, 20, 24 guys all together at once. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great experience and something, uh, a, a great learning experience as well, how to, how to gel as a team. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, the, the chemistry comes pretty quickly, especially when you have, uh, you know, a group of players like we do that, uh, you know, are, are, are great team guys and, and, and always always open to you know, playing for each other. So uh, whenever you have that, that combination with, uh, you know, the, all the time we spend together, it's, uh, it's a great recipe. Darnell Nurse joining us on Inside Sports. Darnell, I, I asked this question whenever a guy goes and plays in Europe or plays some international hockey, the ice is a different size. Uh, how, how has that adjustment been for you? If any, maybe it hasn't been a big deal, but has there anything as a defenseman that's uh, taken a little bit of getting used to with the wider ice? Yeah, it takes, uh, it takes, it takes a little bit of time, especially um, you know, you're so used to you know, the boards being uh, a little closer in the neutral zone and, and, and on entries so that you can just jump anything. So, um, you know, when you come, uh, when you come over the, the big ice, guys have a little more time and space, so you got to be aware of that. But, um, you know, when you have a team that can skate like ours and uh, support each other, it, uh, it makes the process a lot easier. 
Bill Peters is your head coach, and, and speaking of guys uh, being rivals, obviously <laughs> he's going to be the Flames head coach when you guys uh, start the games up uh, next year. But just tell us a little bit about Bill as a coach. Obviously you would have gone against him twice a year uh, in your career when he was coaching Carolina. Uh, what what uh, what can you say about Bill Peters, uh, getting to know him a little bit the last two weeks? Yeah, he's a great coach. Uh, you know, e- easy to learn from. Um, he's uh, you know, very, very detail-oriented and, so for us, you were prepared for each and every game, and I think uh, he's going to be he's going to be great in Calgary. It's going to be uh, too fun to have to play against him. You know, Darnell, a lot of times when I when I interview players about their experience at Worlds, and sometimes when they look back on it. They'll obviously talk about what medal they won or how they did in the tournament, but they often have great memories of getting to spend uh, time often in a a European country. I I know you're there to win a gold medal, um, but have you had any time to experience Denmark or get to know anything about uh, about the country and any of that uh, kind of personal type experience? Absolutely, been out and about. Um, No, we're we're staying in a city called Silkeberg, so we've been uh, you know around the around the city center uh at the beginning of the tournament we actually spent some time in time in riga latvia so um no it's, it's been cool to be able to see uh, two different Euro- european cities and you know hopefully get the opportunity to see copenhagen too and um you know have, have my family here I'll make it even more special oh wow you got the family out there well that's gonna be that's gonna be a bonus how are they enjoying it oh they just they, they come over tomorrow so uh okay to get here yet, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to that. Right on. Uh, what's your sense of how where hockey ranks in popularity in Denmark? I mean, obviously in Europe, a lot of times it's soccer. Do you sense a lot of hype around the tournament or around hockey, or is it maybe a bit of a quieter atmosphere than you're used to playing in Edmonton? Yeah, I think uh, you know some of the crowds in, in the rink during the games probably aren't big, but um, the, uh, the the mix in the cities and um, you know, everywhere you go, the games are on TV. I think uh, you know we're looking at stats of, of viewers during during last what last World Championship and uh, talking on the almost I think billions of people. So it was uh, it, it's a good experience for us, and um, it's great to uh, great to be able to be a part of it. And you see how big hockey is over here in Russia not not just in not just in these cities that we're playing in, but in other countries that uh, you know have them on big screens and, and fans are outside watching. And like I said, every every restaurant you seem to be going to. Um, People are watching world championships and, and uh, you know, uh, cheering for their home countries. All right, Darnell, you got three games in four days coming up to end the round robin portion Saturday, Finland, Monday, Latvia, and Tuesday, Germany. I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself and ask you about that uh, German game. How are you going to slow down that dry sidle kid they got? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, this special player is going to be uh, you know, a challenge, challenge for sure to, to shut down. Obviously, uh, you see what he brings to the rink every single day, and he's having a hell of a tournament so far. So uh, it's going to be going to be tough, uh, definitely tough to play against him. But uh, I think we're looking forward to. It. I, well, I have a feeling you're going to love that, Darnell, because you and I talk often about how competitive you are, and Leon doesn't shy away from contact either, does he? No, no, he's uh, he's one of uh, one of the biggest competitors. I know. I think that's why we get along so well. So it's uh, yeah, that'll be a challenge. But uh, first and foremost, we got to worry about uh, you know Saturday. All right, Darnell, I know you're uh, you're busy here, but thanks a lot for checking in on 6.30 Chet on Inside Sports. All the best the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you when you get back. Thanks, Reese. Sounds good. That is Darnell Nurse checking in from Denmark, Canada. The win today, 5-0 over Norway, so they have three wins and that shootout loss to the United States so far at the tournament. And just as we wrap up that interview, another defenseman, 
P.K. Subban for the Nashville Predators fires home a one-timer on the power play, beating Connor Hellebuck blocker side. Huge goal for the Predators. They now trail the Jets 2-1, just over four minutes left in the first period. And if you missed it, the story tonight, Pecorine pulled by the Predators. He allowed two goals on seven shots, both questionable goals. Tyler Myers scored from the corner basically shot it at the net from along the goal line hit Rene's pad and squirted over the line didn't have it quite covered against the post and then the other goal Paul Stastny walked out from behind the net tried to tuck it in Rene stopped it the rebound came loose Rene came off his post and Stastny was able to flip it in short side past the uh, blocker side on Rene so that was it for him UC Soros has taken over in net for the Predators but now 2-1 Johansson and Forsberg get the helpers on Subban Band's power play goal. 6.45, quick timeout, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30, Chad. Doug Waite's got the puck, and he'll wheel back for the orders with Marshawn. Marshawn's got it. He's in all alone. Marshawn shoots. Scores! Todd Marshawn wins it in sudden death overtime. 34 to go in the first overtime period. The Otters are going to Denver. They have won the series. Another Game 7 memory there, 1997. Todd Marchant in overtime against the Dallas Stars. The Oilers pulling off a huge upset. They won three of the four games in that series in overtime. Marchant down the wing, Ledyard falling. In goes Marchant, beating Andy Moog, and the Oilers were off to play the Colorado Avalanche in the second round. This is the 171st Game 7 in NHL history tonight, and it's already been a very interesting one. 54 seconds left in the first period. Winnipeg up 2-1 on the Predators. By Sissons gets it down for Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers trying to dance it out of the corner. Myers in from the line. Sharp angle by Myers. Score! Tyler Myers from the goal line. Sneaks it past Pecorine. And the Winnipeg Jets have a 1-0 lead here in the opening period. Stastny first on the puck. Stastny to the front of the net. Scores! Another sharp angle. And Paul Stastny first on the puck. Jams it from a sharp angle past Pecorine. And the Jets have a 2-0 lead. All right, and then P.K. Subban scoring on the power play for the Predators. That was Dennis Bayak with the call from the Jets radio network. I got to hand it to Rob Brown. Love working with him on our Oilers broadcast. He and I host overtime open line after every Oilers game. And working with an ex-player like that, you always get little things about the game that maybe you wouldn't notice or wouldn't think about, but the things that an ex-player would notice or that players are, are doing uh, you know, maybe subtle things or uh, things you might not uh, really think are strategy, but they are. And Rob Brown, I mean, besides loving shots from anywhere on the ice, Rob has always said, shoot from a sharp angle. And if you do do that, you have to shoot low along the ice. And that's how that Tyler Myers goal went in. And by no means was that a great goal. And of course, Rene was pulled uh, after allowing one more by Stastny. But Rob has always said, First of all, shoot low, but but shoot from a bad angle. Shoot from down right near the goal line, bottom of the circle, whatever. 
shoot low because if you shoot high, you make it easy for the goalie to catch it. Either his glove or, or goes into his belly and he swells it up and there's a faceoff. But Rob has always said if you shoot low, you create problems for the goaltender because he doesn't square up to the shooter the same way. Because if the puck's off at a sharp angle, he's getting ready for a pass across or the pass to a slot or, or to where, uh, you know, usually what's called a, what would be considered a more dangerous scoring area. And that's what you saw Rene on that one. He wasn't square to Tyler Myers. He wasn't facing the corner. He's got his body facing more the front of the net. So Myers throws it right along the icing line. And instead of Rene being square to it and going down on a butterfly or deflecting it to a corner, his shoulders are facing basically the slot and he's got his left pad down on the ice and the puck hit his left pad right above his skate and squirted kind of in that little area under the skate the puck barely crossed the goal line but in it goes so Rob has always said you get the goalie in a situation where he isn't square to the shooter so that's not you know goalies want to square up so you're shooting at at the goalie in a situation where he might not be as comfortable with the angle even though that would be considered a, lo- a lower percentage scoring area. Uh, so so Myers actually gets the goal off that. But Rob has also said, if you shoot low, the rebound often goes in front because of the way the goalie is angled. He, he's not in a, a, in a position where he can knife it to the corner. It, it'll often bounce off him and go somewhere in front. And then you create chaos. Either you get the re- rebound for the offensive team or it could, could hit a defensive or offensive player in front of the net, and who knows, maybe it bounces in. So as soon as that goal was scored tonight, I thought of Rob because he absolutely loves those those sharp angle shots. And now that ever since Rob brought that up and I pay more attention to it, I'm thinking, yeah, those often create chaos. Those often create something secondary for the offensive team. And then sometimes you get a bit of a squirter like Myers was able to get tonight. And, and Rob, and he, even if you look at a lot of the shots Dreisaitl takes, Kellen, you've seen those. He he likes to blast the one-timer from a sharp angle. Oh, definitely, yeah. Now, his aren't often as low. He, he's firing away and just trying to hit the net. But one thing about, about those Dreisaitl shots, he gets it off quick. I mean, he scored one late in the season. I can't remember who it was against, but his back was almost against the boards. But he, he's so low down, and that's another yeah. thing Rob said. You, you, you shoot the one-timer from there, you hit the net, it's in. If you're wide to the, to the front of the net, I mean, if you shoot wide behind the net, okay, you miss that. But if you're wide to the front of that, you can often get it to go in off the goalie. And Dreisaitl had a couple of those this year. The goalie's moving over, it hits his side. If the goalie's not there, it goes right through the crease. But the goalie's moving across, and Dreisaitl was able to score off the body. So anyway, that's just something I've enjoyed with Rob, bringing up those little details about goal scoring, how to score goals, and shots you think, well, why would they try that? That usually wouldn't work. That Rob says are actually you know, crafty little things that offensive players can do to create an additional scoring opportunity. Or who knows, you know, maybe it amounts to four, five, six extra goals a year, not many but they might help you win games. And tonight, the Jets get one that helped them take a one nothing lead. They lead it 2-1. It is now after the first period, Game 7 in Nashville. Want to remind you, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. You can find Northern Chicken at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. You will probably find Jack Michaels and me there 
sometime next week or in the near future because, of course, I owe uh, Jack Michaels a northern chicken dinner. I bet on the Raptors. He bet on the Cavaliers. Uh, Cavaliers won. What we got? Conference finals starting on Sunday in the NBA. Cleveland and Boston game one will be on Sunday. Houston and Golden State game one will be on Monday. Kamloops Blazers making some big changes today in the WHL. They say coach Don Hay is retiring. General Manager Stu McGregor will be uh, moving on to the Dallas Stars as a scout. Tom Gallardi owns both the Blazers and the Dallas Stars. They also got rid of uh, a couple other people in the organization as well. And the Western Hockey League final could end tomorrow. Swift Current Broncos up three games to one on Everett. It's a 2-3-2 format. So game five in Everett tomorrow night. The Broncos won 1-0 last night. Oilers draft pick Stuart Skinner continues to be stellar in goal. He recorded a 32-save shutout. Colby Sissons had the only goal of the game. Swift Current over Everett 1-0. They lead the best of seven, three games to one. All right, we'll keep you updated on game seven. Blue Jays losing 8-2 to the Mariners. That's in the top of the sixth. Eastern Conference final preview when we get back. We'll go to Tampa. Matt Salmon from the Lightning Radio Network is standing by when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.